Hey you guys, it's Kilowatt. I am currently on a layover. I'm going to go out and smoke a cigarette and do story time with you. Because this is going to be part two of home. I, um... I had, like, a really eventful first trip. When I came out for New Year's Eve festivities, a lot of the shelters are full. Because of the COVID restrictions, there's not enough places for people to go, so they end up sleeping outside, which is common. So when Ted Wheeler clears out these camps where people are staying and throwing away all their items, the truth is they don't actually have any other place to go, and they're just fucking picking on these homeless people. One of the first experiences of my day, I picked up a homeless woman who is obviously native because I can always see another native woman and and identify because that's, we all have very good features that are prominent sometimes. While she was getting on my bus in front of the homeless shelter, I know that they're full and she's carrying her stuff with her and she's really disappointed and depressed and looks fucking exhausted. And I'm, you know, I'm talking to my passengers the way that I do. Only she doesn't realize that I'm not making it all about me. I like to speak in such a way where people can chime in and oftentimes they do. So the conversation on the bus was targeted towards previous careers that we were really bad at and that we were trying to make it funny. Like we don't ever talk about politics or things that will upset a lot of people, but I mean, we do talk about different things, but it's mostly about putting power in the people's hands or, and raising vibrations and stuff. And so she's sitting on the bus and she's tired. You can tell she's tired. And she says, and she's very, very, you can tell when people are so tired that they start to get really fucking frazzled. And she says, is there any fucking reason why I have to listen to the two of you talking? And my other passenger is super sassy. (laughs) And she's like, well, I'm sorry that you're unhappy and your life sucks but we're happy and we're having this conversation because we find joy in our daily lives. And then I cut her off because I I knew it was going to start a really big fucking argument. And um, I said, Hey, Hey, now, so here's, and then of course the screaming starts between the two and I had to pull the bus over. And I said, look, you guys, it's completely understandable when someone's tired to want a quiet, warm place to sleep. And if we're talking really loud and it's, it's not going to give you a little wink of shut eye and you need that. I said, we can just go ahead and make this a like, nice, calm bus ride. I said, where are you headed? She goes, I'm going all the way to Foster. And we're on the 72 from 9th and Alberta all the way to Foster in 82nd. You're going to be on my bus for about a fucking hour. Which means she made it awkward right off the bat. <laughs> But that was fine. I was going to drive all the way to Foster with that fucking vibe. But I said, I said, okay, check it. I'm going to take you to Foster. Um, and, and I'll take you to where you need to go, but we all need to calm and we can just enjoy a nice quiet bus ride. And they said, okay. So then I I take off and like, you could hear a fucking pin drop on the bus. Like it was uncomfortably quiet after that. And, um, you could tell she was feeling bad about it. Like she, she 
thought I was just going to be a total bitch and kick her off the bus and it was just going to be the same shit different day because she's having a really bad run of things. You can tell it's not working out the way she planned. And that's very similar for a lot of people today. On the trip, we had two fucking cars break down in one circle and blocking the path of the bus. So I got to my layover a little late and I don't get a chance to run in and use the restroom because our porta potty has been vandalized. So now I get to wait another hour and a half all the way to Gleason where there's a safe restroom facility I could utilize there. <laughs> so it's been a real fun peachy day in that context. But outside of me holding my pee, um, TMI, I know, she starts to think about what she just said and how it all played out. And she started to feel bad. Okay. And she looks out the window and she says, you know, I didn't mean you can't talk. I just... I didn't want to hear like, you know, the back and forth shouting. I said, no, it's fine. You're okay. And I, and then she just went to sleep until Foster. And right before she got off at Foster, the other passenger of mine um, turned to me and said something kind of, I don't think she meant it, but she, the way it was said was kind of hurtful. A lot of times on reservations, uh, there is a lot of drug and alcohol uh, abuse because of a lot of, I mean, our people went through genocide and so all that trauma transferred and, and it just caused a lot of dysfunction and mental illness and we never get all the proper resources. So there's a lot of shit that we go through as native people and we're highly stigmatized. I mean, in Alaska up until the fucking, I don't know when it was that they stopped doing this, but they would put up signs that said, no, no, no blacks, no natives, no dogs. And that was the category we all got grouped together in. And we were never allowed to be anywhere, even though it's our fucking land. And the other, the other, uh, group we were all thrown into were brought here against their will. So it wasn't technically their land but it should be because at this point we've fucking ruined everything about their culture and they had to create a whole new one and they rose up like the fucking phoenix that they are but moving on um there's a lot of there's a lot of stereotypes about reservations there's a lot of beautiful things that happen there and there's beautiful small communities and neighbors and it's it is a network of family okay and um she gets on the front end of the bus and she leans into me and she says it sort of loud and I could tell the other gals listening because she wants to know if we're going to shit talk her which is natural and I would probably do the same like you can tell an intelligent soul when they look at you and you can see their thinking um and so she's looking at us from across the bus because she had been woken up by the stop and she saw the other woman get up and come to me and she said you know they're all like this they leave the reservation and it's not like they planned and then they just go off the rails. And I said, actually, that's not what we're going to do here. And I said it in a really respectful tone, but that's, I felt like saying it like that. I said, yeah, we're not going to do that here. I said, um, I'm native and I can tell you that's not always the case. I said, this is just here right now. This is just today, this moment. And this is just one person. You can't group a whole and this woman should know because she's black. And so in my head, I was just like, you should know not to do that. But at the same time, you can't fucking, you can't win them all. You'd, not everybody's going to be at the level of vibration that you're working with. I'm not saying I'm higher, but I just saw things 
that maybe they, that they just didn't have the, I see a lot of shit. Okay. And I have a lot of time to think and just process it. And so when I take that and I research and I know all the shit that I do, I can formulate these opinions. Like don't get fucking mad when, uh, <laughs> when somebody calls you out on being a little bit racist, even if you're in a group that's being categorized as being discriminated against. And so I am now currently sitting at two minutes before departure. So I'll summarize this. Um, and then I drove off and nobody said anything. It was fine. Foster comes. I give her a day pass. I call her to the front. I say, Hey, come here. I know that you're not able to get, you know, up toward 94 where you're probably trying to head. I said, here's this. And you can take a bus and maybe you can just take a a nap until you get up there too. And I said, I'm really sorry that we had a disagreement or things got weird. I said, but I want you to know that I see you and I appreciate you being here. And she smiled and she said, okay, well, thank you. I'm sorry too. And then we said, happy new year. And that's how the circle was ended in that one. And it was really fucking cool, but super heavy and emotions, you know, it's hard when you have to stop people from screaming at each other and then be the voice of reason and not summarize a feeling of being told to shut up, you know, that's never a good feeling. (laughs) Um, so I'm about to go though. It's time. I have 60 seconds until departure. I will, I'm sure talk to you guys later. This is going to be one full, um, episode titled home part two, or I don't know, there might not be a part two of home. I'm kind of struggling with that notion right now. I'll talk to you guys soon. I love you. Bye. Hold on. Now I can't. Okay. Good morning. It's your girl, Killua. I have mold over a dozen times and a few drafts for home part two. Um, I still, I still contemplate whether or not I'll add in, um, different snippets to this piece, but we'll see how it goes. Cause I think that I'm just sort of at a crossroads of how I feel in general. My last post was a lot more positive than my emotional state has been recently. And I'm lucky to have had my best friend stay with me for a few weeks and just allow me to sort of get used to the fact that I was never going to be able to find a home in someone I had spent 14 years loving and that it was okay and that nobody was at fault and that we could just be healthy people but I think with any grieving process there's an there's a wave that happens and it comes in and it's overwhelming and it suffocates you and you drown in a sad awful emotions sorry it's like 3 30 in the morning Please allow me to get the stretch out. (sighs) And so sometimes what will happen is I'll wake up and I'll start crying, which is like a really weird experience as somebody who's like not necessarily super dramatic. Like, I mean, I am dramatic, but it's not like every moment of my life is dramatic. Usually it's just I'll wake up and I'll like go potty and get a snack or something and go back to bed. But recently it's been like I wake up and the reality of my person who's 
spent the last 14 years with me is just completely gone. And it's not only gone, but like cruel. He's being really cruel right now. Like I'll call and I'll be so sad and broken and he'll fucking sit there. He'll sit there and I'll say, I don't know what you want me to say. And I realize that there's nothing that he can say because he's moved on and unfortunately moved on with someone who's got the same fucking name from the same fucking state that I'm from. She's 10 years younger and from what I've seen online, they're making fun of me. So that hurts my feelings like quite a bit. Um, and it explains perfectly as to why he just walked away from me. Like he never walks away like this and it that's... So I'm just accepting it. It is what it is. But that being said, tonight when I woke up or this morning when I woke up, I've always given these tiny, these tiny pieces of, um, like tiny gems from the universe, like little pieces of time that make their way back to you. Like a feeling of serenity or understanding that encapsulates everything you had been fighting um, feelings of uncertainty and, 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 you know, you're just not sure of your status in this world or how you are, like, you know, your validity behind your actions and what you're doing with your time and your purpose. Um, and so I'll be gifted these gems of information or like knowledge that, that make their way back onto my timeline. And so... This one was, uh, it was a book that my mother gave to me and it was called a dance, but in the dance, they open up with the invitation and I'm going to read it to you because this is what sort of brought me a lot of peace. It says, it doesn't interest me what you do for a living. I want to know what you ache for. And if you dare to dream of meeting your heart's longing. It doesn't interest me how old you are. I want to know if you will risk looking like a fool for love, for your dream, for the adventure of being alive. It doesn't interest me what planets are squaring your moon. I want to know if you have touched the center of your own sorrow, if you've been opened by life's betrayals or have become shriveled and closed from fear of further pain. I want to know if you could sit with pain, mine or your own, without moving to hide it or fade it or fix it. I want to know if you can be with joy, mine or your own, if you can dance with the wildness and let ecstasy fill you to the tips of your fingers and toes without cautioning us to be careful, to be realistic, to remember the limitations of being human. It doesn't interest me if the story you are telling me is true. I want to know if you can disappoint another to be true to yourself, if you can bear the accusation of betrayal and not betray your own soul, if you can be faithless and therefore trustworthy. I want to know if you can see the beauty even when it's not pretty every day and if you can source your own life from its presence. I want to know if you can live with failure, yours and mine, and still stand on the edge of the lake and shout to the silver of the full moon, yes. It doesn't interest me to know where you live or how much money you have. I want to know if you can get up at after the night of grief and despair, weary and bruised to the bone, and do what needs to be done to feed the children. It doesn't interest me who you know or how you can come to be here. I want to know if you will stand in the center of the fire with me and not shrink back. It doesn't interest me where, what, or with whom you have studied. I want to know what sustains you from the inside when all else falls away.
I want to know if you can be alone with yourself and if you truly like the company you keep in the empty moments. That is The Imitation by Uriah Mountain Dreamer. And that entire thing is exactly what keeps me together. Because there are moments that you face where you feel betrayed. There are moments where you feel empty and there are mornings that you wake up and you feel battered and bruised, but you still do what you have to do to feed the children. And I just wanted to know who has that. Because the only people in my life from now on are going to be the people that can answer the invitation or the call who are willing to dance with me in this world of uncertainty and just prepare yourself to dream farther than you ever imagined. I don't have anything inside of me that wants to cause pain to Brent or her. I just feel really sad and I'm processing that because as with any truth, you have to come to the understanding before you can resolve, you know, like before you can fully function and let go. And the tears are only coming because I just wasn't prepared for the letting go. And some relationships are like that. Some relationships you never saw ending. But I've had the I've had this wonderful gift of watching my friends. Now and I'm not gonna I'm part of me kinda wants to, but I'm not sure if I should. So Diego and Cricket, which I call her Cricket, but it's Elijah Cricket, and I don't know why I call her Cricket. Um, Diego went through really, like, just sort of a messy divorce like I did. It wasn't messy in a sense that it was, like, scandalous by any means. It was just, um, yeah, it's Cricket Elijah. Okay, good. Um, and I know it seems silly, but I have a shitty thing with names. And so he went through, like, a sort of really shitty divorce. It wasn't, like dramatic but it was just it was devastating for him because of the amount of love that was present and so he went through that phase where he went through the divorce and he went through the whole like looking okay like now I'm divorced and now I have to look at actually dating and that's something I'm walking into because like you can only spend so much time being alone in a relationship which is why I'm sure Brent moved on um and just gave up because it, there comes a time where you either have to try for the marriage or you fall back into your habit of like, you know, spending the night at each other's house. And that's sort of where we were just recently. And so it hurt me beyond measure to have him just push me aside and pick someone else and then like let it be. And he's fully moved on. And I'm like, okay, so that's a stab. That's a sharp pain. And when you have to look at, like, what dating is, oh, my God, dude. After 14 years of not dating, I mean, I'm sure that's exactly how Diego felt. Like, he was like, oh, my God, I'm fucking doing this. Like, I got to go out there. And you get out there and you realize that it's just like, oh, there's so, it's so hard to find people. It's hard to find people on your wavelength that would answer the call or the invitation that have that depth and that passion and that live with a poetic heart, like, good God, man. Like, I'm just going to walk out there and fucking find some weird-ass Chad who wants to try and fuck me. <laughs> like, oh, no, thank you. I'll just take the stab and go to bed. Like, I'll take the pain and I won't do any of that. And so I'll just sit in bed and hold my heart as it bleeds out because I'm broken. 
And I'm not broken. I'm so fine, but I'm just sad. And I had the the pleasure of watching Diego meet Cricket. And, like, they were friends before, but, like, they really met each other. And soon enough, they fell in love, and they're moving in together. And it's just, for somebody who's going through something so heartbreaking and just so confusing and just it's disparaging. It's, it makes you feel lost and broken when you go through something like this and you're watching two beautiful people come together. Like I had to watch him go through this like awkward thing where he's like, I'm going to die alone. I'm never going to find a poetic heart. I'm never going to feel like anyone gets me. And she was sort of the same way. And I remember they went out like his birthday or something like that and she was like you know we're out for Diego's birthday and it would be really fun if you came and then shortly after like I started to see that they were spending more time together and then I quickly realized oh my god you guys are falling in love and now it's just like this beautiful splash of pictures on my timeline of them together making soup and like just chilling and watching movies with their kids and like having a fun fucking life and I just part of me breathes easier and I stand a little straighter and I hold a little softer my heart when it aches to feel that that is a possibility for me one day that I can find that and be okay and be safe again and that I won't feel this hurt inside of my soul where I've been left and that's what I wake up with at three in the morning and I appreciate you listening I'm going to go back to bed, but I just, this is my home. This is my life, and I'm sharing it with you because this is who I am. And I hope that you accept and understand my invitation to you to just do the same. Love you. Hey, you guys, it's your girl, Kilowatt. I'm getting ready for work. I decided to remove the last segment because it contained, like, a partial drunk recanting of... Me on a bus with a mom and her daughter and like a traumatic event that happened at school. And I was trying to remember exactly what happened, but I was not in the right state of mind to give that podcast. So I deleted it and I figured I might as well just address the big fucking elephant in the room. Yes, I am upset about some actions that have happened in the past week between my ex and my daughter and I, and I'm sorry If I've been in a really low vibrational state, I'm trying to keep my fucking head clear and I need to listen to angry bitch music where she's fucking, you know, sometimes it helps to listen to the lady scorned music on repeat so you can learn to let somebody the fuck go, which is something I've needed to do for a long time anyway, but that's not, you know, that's besides the, it's like aside from the fact. Um, And so I just wanted to apologize Because I realize that that's awkward, you know, like, (laughs) I know a lot of you know Brent, I know a lot of you know me, and I'm not trying to make y'all feel super uncomfortable. And so for that, I am sorry. Um, On the plus side, I am in my apartment enjoying myself immensely, even if I'm sad. And I am sort of just enjoying this new quiet because when you don't have your daughter with you I mean you don't really have like the sound of kids in a house will add to the 
<laughs> to the atmosphere. And so initially you start to panic when it gets too quiet, especially if you're used to sound. Um, but I personally, I think in my life, I do better when things are quiet. Um, and so I'm looking forward to a shared schedule with Brent so that we don't have to talk. Um, and that will minimize any arguments and it will allow for stability and consistency with Braylon. So this is necessary. Um, and I, I just like walking into my house and saying, hi home. <laughs> I'm fucking here. I love my house. I don't get to have it for like forever, but I get to have it for right now and I'll take it. Um, I think tonight I'm going to be doing some art. I told Brent I had plans because I just fuck that guy. Um, <laughs> he wanted to drop Braylon off on the last day of vacation. And I was like, no, I've had her for the whole week. Um, and she asked me to stay. So, you know, you can keep your kid and I'm going to enjoy my art and my house alone because I don't necessarily need someone to make me feel like I'm still a valid human. And I'm learning that. And I think it speaks volumes when you immediately run from one person to the next. I think it says a lot about the fact that you just can't do it. And I'm, I'm just trying to learn not to be that person anymore where you can't do life without another human. Like I wanna be my own fucking human. I'm tired of this codependent toxic shit. Like I'm just so grateful that I have a reason to step off the ride because I don't think I ever would have. So blessings in disguise, y'all. I'm going to get ready for work and drive in. And I'm sorry, I'm sweaty. I've been running around my house trying to find all my shit. So I'll talk to you soon. Um, once again, this is your girl, Kilowatt. Have the best day. Have the best fucking day, man. Just live your lives. Bye.